And good morning to you. Thank you for tuning in for our Sunday message. And we are blessed to be able to be with you as we share the word of God with you once more. If you want to get your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 12. Psalm 12 is what we are looking at, as I said, over the last 30 weeks now. Um, we may skip all over the Psalms, but I feel like uh, the Lord laid this on my heart as a psalm that really speaks to um, some of the times we're facing today. So I want to read that for us, and then we'll pray and begin. But it says, Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the race, from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully They say, through our tongues, we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked prowl all around and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. Let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for just allowing us once again to come before you. Lord, we are blessed. Um, Good morning, God is how we should address each day as we wake up and give you the glory for another day. God, as we go through these days, I pray for protection. I pray for uh, guidance. I pray that you would lead us down the paths that you would have us to go. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory today. And we pray these things in your holy and precious, wonderful name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And again, we are grateful to be able to be here with you. And I want you to just think with me about this song. I've tentatively called this the vanishing faithful, but I want us to really embrace what I'm saying today. And and I've, I've spent some time away over the last week, really spending some time with the Lord, spent some good quality time just listening and praying and and felt like this is a direction he wanted me to go today where this psalm came from isn't clear it's not exactly clear which aspect of david's life that this pointed to but what is clear is that david was in a place that was a struggle some scholars seem to think that this is one where he has faced deceit and dishonesty in his court after he was the king And in fact, from historical study, we could derive the fact that he probably had to deal with more deception and dishonesty than maybe we could have even imagined. Our world today is filled with liars and false flatterers. And there are times that the righteous hardly know who to trust. And I think as we look at the scheme of things around us today, we recognize that especially the state of politics, the state of the world around us, we recognize that we don't know who to believe anymore. 
And and I think that Psalm 12 continues with the similar themes of Psalm 10 and 11. Now we have done Psalm 11. It was the first Psalm we did. Psalm 10, the theme is the wicked using their words to boast and sneer. Psalm 11, the wicked using their words to tear down the moral and social formations of society. So 30 weeks ago, we began this journey with Psalm 11. Well, here we are 30 weeks later, and we're now getting to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, the theme is that the wicked use their words on dishonesty and flattery to get what they want. So I hope you're picking up on a pattern here, though all of these psalms, uh, through all of these psalms, excuse me, God is pretty serious about what I say, whether or not I am using my words to edify or destroy. I think we need to recognize that today. But what we also see throughout Scripture, well, Solomon knew about flattery, Proverbs 26, 28, 28, 23, 29, 5, Solomon talks about flattery well daniel noted that flattery would be a tool of the wicked world ruler daniel eleven thirty two. jude defined flattery as being something ungodly in verse 16 of jude so here is where we need the holiness that comes through instruction we need to guard our tongue one of the things that this psalm speaks to is betrayal that comes through deception well, if we think back, uh, World War II, June 6, 1944, a day that many are familiar with, the day is D-Day. The U.S. sent 150,000 troops to attack the coast of Normandy. It is a date in history that is commonly referred to a day that will live in infamy. While there were many casualties, it could have been much worse than what it was. And one of the reasons it was prevented was because of the operation that started before the, the attack ever began. Operation Fortitude was what enabled the invasion to take place. It worked on a system of spies who had infiltrated the German military system. The Americans, along with the British and the French, managed to gain confidence of German spies. And they had become double agents. Our spies fed the Germans information that caused them to think that we would attack uh, in Calais and in Norway rather than Normandy. To this date, it remains the most successful but sophisticated effort at espionage our nation has ever undertaken. The U.S. and the Allies used dummy tanks, ships and armies to fool the Germans. They even used carrier pigeons that the Germans thought belonged to them to carry information in this historic battle. Tara Robertson was in charge of the spies and he managed to create what some call an army of liars to win the battle. While we can be thankful that our nation managed to shut off the impact of the madman. Well, it was accomplished with great deception and that end spelled great peril for the Germans. That is the action that David is hinting at, in, and it takes place in this psalm, flattery, deception, double tongues, and double hearts. So when we look at Psalm 12, um, let's think about verse 1 as we start this. Now, this idea of when the faithful vanish. And in... Um, 
John Phillips commentary, he, he uses this outline of exploring the Psalms. Uh, and in, on page, um, or, and, and I want to look at that as I, I move forward in this. But before moving into the Psalm itself, I want to look to a word in the superscription. Now, I didn't read that when we started, but it says for the choir director, according to Shemineth. Now, Shemineth is a word that is also found in the superscription in Psalm 6 and one other reference in 1 Chronicles 15, 21. The literal meaning of that word is the eighth division. Now, because it's attached to 1 Chronicles, we find that there is an order of worship that Israel participated in that required them to hold special place for those righteous worshipers. Now, there were apparently those men who literally were a cut above all the rest and those who were involved in the worship procession and service. Whether we are comfortable making this analogy or not, there are still people who fill the same role of worshipers of a higher calling and higher devotion within our body. The, the memorial of a worship and from Mary and her alabaster box is a New Testament example. Uh, the behavior that separates a class of worshipers from the general um, worshiper to those who are highly devoted to the Lord. And we may know many who are that. Furthermore, we see that in Psalm 6 and Psalm 12, there are some unique connections to when we need worshipers who are cut above the rest. Psalm 6 seems to deal with the conscience that had been so troubled by sin and the need of confession to set it right. Now, David here is making his appeal once again in another situation. David is experiencing a moment where it seems like the faithful, the holy, the righteous, the elect are nowhere to be found. And he longs for that, quote, eighth division to show up once again. There seems to be something very powerful that happens when you engage that eighth division of worshipers. Well, it falls into two categories. They can usher in with their worship, repentance and revival. Now, using that same statement, I want to say this, doesn't it seem that that is where we are today in society? That we're looking for that higher class of worshiper, that one who can usher in repentance and revival. Increasingly, the sinful culture of society and the sophisticated culture of the sanctuary is doing its best to squeeze the life out of the wholly devoted worshiper. And this doesn't need to be so, especially in this body. If you have a desire to live a life of half-hearted devotion, that is a personal choice. But please do not attempt to scorn the devotion of the eighth division. That division of true worshiper because their presence fights against sin and the vanishing presence of the faithful. Just in passing, most scholars feel like this group of men or women, <laughs> you know, it, most scholars believe that it was made up of men, but there's another corresponding division that was made up of women. And we see that in the previous verse in First Chronicles 1520, they were called Alamoth and they are mentioned in Psalm 46, which is associated with refuge. Further, it is noted that these women were those who played the timbrels. So in context of First Chronicles 15, was 
when the ark was being taken to the house of Obed Odom or Obed Edom to go back to Jerusalem. Three groups of worshipers were involved in escorting it back to Zion. The Levites, which we know are the priests, the Sheminith, which is this eighth division, and this group of women called the Alamoth. That same group still needs to be in the presence of modern day worship today. When we worship within the church body, the apostolic type worship that we do, worshiping Christ as the apostles did. Those special worshipers need to be present among our body. So David here appeals in the first four verses. And in those first four verses, we see this appeal that David makes to God. He says, help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have dispersed from the or disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, though through our tongues, we have power. Our lips are our own. Where, who can be our master? See, this psalm is one that falls into the category of a prayer. That prayer is speaking specifically for the deliverance of deception or deliverance from deception. The, the 12.2 talks about those that speak vanity. Everyone with his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart in the King James. That same prayer should be prayed by all of God's children today. We should be praying that over our body here, that deception and, and deceit are no more in this body. Much of the deception that makes its way into our minds is through the voices from the outside that are not submitted to a scriptural filter, nor any discerning of spirits. We need both of those elements in our lives. Hear me. Verse one, the man of God is gone from this earth here is some questions that we can consider about this statement the king james says the man of god the godly man ceaseth others say the man of god is gone from this earth what would it be like if all of a sudden those people whom you have considered as holy and godly were to disappear from your world and honestly it seems many have over the last few months, we've seen many who we feel maybe have fallen away. What would it be like to walk into this church and see groups of ungodly and unholy people? What would it be like to walk into a house of worship where you expected to hear the songs of Zion and instead they have been replaced with country western, top 40 secular songs, rhythm and blues or heavy metal? What would it be like to walk into this church and you expect prayer coming from the mouths of good saints of God, but instead you hear coarse, uncouth, gutter language pouring out? That is some idea of what David was trying to express with this psalm. He was looking for the holy. He was looking for the faithful. But the faithful had vanished. Other translations render verse 1 in this way. The NASB says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. The ESV says, save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Webster says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fa fail from among the children of men. And the Young's Living Translation the literal 
or not the Young Living Translation, the Young Literal Translation says it this way, Save Jehovah, for I for the saintly hath failed, for the steadfast, steadfast have ceased from the sons of men. David is crying out here. He's saying, help, Lord. Here's something we need to understand about the world and the spirit of the age. The goal has always been to free this world of influence of the righteous. That is a common thread all the way through the scriptures is to free the righteous from the worldly influence of those around us. On the other hand, we have to know that the godly, those who have been faithful to the Lord, were not out of the picture. God will always have a remnant of the faithful who are devoted to him. Elijah would come along about 150 years later and would have the same difficulty. First Kings 19.10, it says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword and i even i only am left and they seek my life to take it away and the lord responded to him in verse 18 yet i have left me seven thousand in israel all the knees of which have not bowed unto baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him See, there are times that we can have the same mentality and think the faithful have vanished, but God always has someone who is willing to make the challenging commitments and do his will. We may feel like the world is caving in around us, but God has his faithful remnant. But see, David felt the same way. David felt that the man of God had left the earth. Verse 2. Two through four, he essentially says that the man of guile is great on the earth. He says, they lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive heart. May the Lord cut them off. Just like he thought the man of God had left, he knew of a man of guile was great on this earth. All of this we gather from David's description of these people. The wicked disobey God with their tongues. They gain power through flattery, deception, and wicked schemes. Proverbs 26 verses 24 through 26 in the King James says this. The Bible says he he that hateth disassembleth with his lips and layeth layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. James also painted a picture of what these people look like as well. James chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and curses. This, my brothers, cannot be. These things ought not be so. The King James then says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter can the fig tree my brother bear olive berries either of vine figs no so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh they use their tongues to work guile their tongues are sly their tongues are shrewd and there is a wiliness about the way they live see the enemy of the righteous are presented in a number of ways throughout this psalm Power, greed, injustice, jealousy, opportunist. 
I wonder what David could have specifically had in his mind when he was writing this psalm. Well, he could have been thinking about uh, the deadliness of Doeg and the murdered, the murdered priest of Nob, 1 Samuel 21 or 22. He, he could have been thinking about the men of Ziph and Kali who betrayed him into the hand of Saul in 1 Samuel 23. He could have been thinking about the outlaws surrounding him in the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel 22. See, David was so overcome that he had no spiritual energy left in the tank. He had lost his strength to fight. In Psalm 11, the encouragement was to stay and fight. But in Psalm 12, that was all gone. All that was left in him was a pleading sense of the spirit. Help, he cries. Where will a church drift when the anchors of godly and righteous people are no longer there? And honestly, that's a chilling question for us to consider. Although you must never forget that God will have a remnant to serve him. It can be a difficult thing to consider. There are times when it appears that holiness has fallen on hard times and difficult days, but it is still the order of the day. If I can offer any hope in the day we are in, it is that there is still a remnant worshiping our Lord. David is noting that the guile of these men are all over the earth, but for all of their flattery and deception that pours off their tongue and through their lips, the Lord has a remedy for it. The remedy is that the will that he will cut off the flattered lips and proud tongues. David's assurance comes in verses 5 and 6 for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. No matter how bad it looked for David, the Lord gave him some assurance. That was great. And it was guaranteed. See, the greatness of this came in verse 5. His greatness here was defined by his prayer. Help, he cried. We find in verse 5 the power of prayer. These poor and needy have cried out to the Lord for their distress. Chrysostom said, fear ye, whosoever be ye, ye be, that do wrong the poor. You have power and wealth and the favor of the judges, but they have the strongest weapons of all. Sighings and groanings which fetch help from heaven for them. These weapons dig down houses, throw up foundations, overthrow whole nations. Put that into a spiritual context and think of the enemies that oppose the church in the waning hours of that dispense, dispensation, liberalism, secularism, pluralism, materialism, lukewarmness, prayerlessness, swimming in spiritual mediocrity, great lack of commitment. Now, I don't mean liberalism as in a Democrat or Republican way. I mean liberalism by taking the word of God liberally and applying it liberally. All of these enemies can put saints on their knees in pleading prayer and 
God can send a revival that will tear down the houses of the enemy, uproot the foundations, and obliterate spiritual strongholds. See, this oppression and sighing that's happening here, it's summed up in the existence of some of the preachers and the saints in this hour. But it all began to turn when they cried out for the Lord's help. Because not only were they facing the greatness, they were guaranteed it would happen. That assurance was great, but it was also guaranteed. It was great because it was responded to, it was a response to prayer. But it was guaranteed because it was the word of the Lord. See, there's this huge contrast between the words of the Lord versus the words of the wicked. In verse six, the words of the Lord are pure, tried and purified. Value that word of the Lord that you have in your Bible. Truth is always the antidote for deception. The enemies of David were deceivers. Deception is one of the tools, the trade for the devil in the end times. The parable of the wheat and the tares is a graphic picture the Lord used in Matthew 13 to demonstrate it. The seed, which implies life, was sown by the devil and his workers among the wheat. Some may ask why the Lord does not start pulling out the dangerous tares from his wheat. He doesn't because it's not yet time. The devil is limited because he can't tear up the wheat because God will not let him. So the devil will do his best to tell people that the real wheat is not really the wheat. But the truth is this, the wheat know what the wheat really are. Furthermore, they also know what the tares are. If you have the Holy Ghost and the commitment to the Lord and his word, it will be hard for you to be deceived. But folks, in this time that we are looking at, I have said many times and I will say it again. I do believe we are witnessing the separation of the wheat and the tares. If ever we needed a passion and a hunger for the word of God, it is in these days we are living now. The word can pull out the deception the devil throws in our direction. In the New Testament, the word deception occurs 19 times, always in connection with the devil and his work. Our assurance is in the Lord. It is guaranteed by his word, pure, tried, and effective. There should be nothing more valuable to me than the word of our Lord. And the same goes for you. David then puts on his armor. Verses 7 and 8. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked prowl all around. And what is worthless is exalted by the human race. We notice two things here. Two things about David's armor. One, the nature of it. Verse 7, here's a portion of David's armor he has kept, preserved forever. Despite the fact that all the saints of God have been marked, scorned, and stigmatized all throughout history, the Lord will honor them forever. When we put on the armor of God, there is a great security that comes from it. But not only do we see the nature of it, we see the need for it. Verse 8 talks about that. Why would we have this need for this armor? Verse 8 says in the King James, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. There are some commentators 
um, who suggest that this psalm is one that stands against the astrologers, magicians, and sorcerers of false religions of idolatry around David. Let them talk, let them strut about, let them be exalted, but keep your armor on by the Spirit. Let me offer this conclusion and this encouragement to us today. The faithful have not vanished. If there is a closing note of encouragement, it would be this. The faithful have not vanished. Under fire, yes. Sometimes overwhelmed, yes. But they have never vanished. And they will extend their days into eternity. It will be the church triumphant. There is a remnant that exists even today. And while we're crying out for renewal, repentance, and revival, let's be honest and let's be aware. The faithful still remain. And they will. But that separation of the wheat and the tares may become obvious and the faithful will recognize who the tares are. The wheat know the wheat. They also know the tare. Folks, maybe you have a decision to make today. Maybe you realize that you're not quite so strong. You're struggling with the overwhelming nature of this world. Well, let me offer hope that you can come and renew and revive yourself in the Lord. He offers that for you today. He will protect you. Just put on the full armor of God and step out against the wiles of the devil, the deceptions of this world. Maybe you're staying faithful or remain faithful. Do not give up. Do not give up hope that there are faithful who have no longer existed. The faithful remain and the faithful will always remain that remnant will exist forever. This is a beautiful thing for us to think about today. And I encourage you today, remain faithful to him. Folks, let's close in prayer today. Let's lift it up before the Lord and let's trust in him. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, we give you the glory. We, we thank you that you have opened the doors for us to be involved, Lord, here. And I pray that we would stand firm on your word today. That, God, we would recognize that you have been faithful to us. That you have opened the doors for us. That, God, you have given us a hope and an encouragement in you. Lord, guide us and direct us today. Show us your glory and continue to give us hope in a darkness that is surrounding us. We may be surrounded on every side, but Lord, the remnant remains and will remain faithful and you will protect them. God, as we go forward, I pray that you just lead, guide and direct us. Show us your glory and continue to show us each and every day the way that you would have us to go. Lord, we praise you. We give you glory. We've lifted all up before you in your holy, precious, and wonderful name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in for our services here on our uh, podcast page. Thank you for listening and hope you had a blessed time with us. You can get more information on Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. And until next week, we hope you have a blessed week in the Lord.